pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mamas, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting, with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. In today's episode, I speak with Melbourne-based mama Sinead Jewell on her unique motherhood experience. After a straightforward pregnancy and birth, Sinead expected her postpartum journey to be the same. But when her little girl Millie didn't attach to the breast from birth, her breastfeeding journey was far from what she had always envisioned. Nearly eight months postpartum and little Millie still hasn't attached to the breast, which led to Sinead on her exclusive expressing journey. Sinead talks us through some of the challenges she faced during this time and the mindset that she had to adapt to overcome these negative emotions she had towards herself, as well as shares some useful tips to navigate this period. Sinead and I hope that this episode highlights some of the real challenges that many women face postpartum and that if you are someone or know someone who may be going through a similar experience, this episode may help you feel not as alone. Please welcome the very inspiring Sinead. Hi, Sinead, and welcome to Midi the Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, for those listening at home, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so, my name's Sinead. Um, I'm 29 years old, and um, I've got a little baby, Millie, who's nearly eight months. Um, you can hear in the background. Um, yep. And I'm a drug and alcohol counsellor for young people. Um, so yeah, most of my primary work was in youth work. Amazing. What a rewarding and challenging job at the same time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm just listening to Millie. She sounds singing like she's singing. <laughs> So cute. Once again, the reality of making a podcast with mums and bubs. Shanae, can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy and birth experience? Yeah, I can definitely. Um, So I fell pregnant in the middle of COVID, which was kind of a a good thing, I felt like. It I because you know I able to kind of rest more than I guess most people probably can in pregnancy um I had lots of downtime and I was also working from home so that was nice um sorry she's got my earphones <laughs> um 
And yeah, look, my pregnancy was pretty good. I feel like I was relatively lucky. I didn't get a lot of um, like morning sickness or anything. I did have a little bit of nausea, um, but otherwise, yeah, I was pretty lucky throughout my pregnancy. Um, and also throughout my birth, which I know <laughs> some mums hate to hear. Uh, sorry yeah. in advance. Um, no, but I was pretty lucky. I, um, I got induced um, when I was 39 weeks. So I went for my 39 week appointment um and yeah they decided to induce me because I had reduced um movements um and I had high blood pressure so I ended up getting induced that day um it was a bit chaotic actually because I'd just gone in for my appointment and I hadn't spoken to my (laughs) partner um he just you know thought it was normal appointment so did I and he's not the best on his phone um and yeah and then they wanted to pretty much induce me straight away and get the process going and I couldn't get a hold of him (laughs) and um we'd even been like playing you know test runs throughout the end of the pregnancy where I was like I'm gonna call you and you have to pick up (laughs) because he's so bad at answering and then yeah this day I just couldn't get a hold of him for ages so I ended up just saying to the hospital look can I go home get my bag and stuff sort out the dogs and then I'll come back um so when I got home I actually got a hold of him and then yeah he came straight home and took me to the hospital um I actually drove myself because he was hungry and hadn't had lunch so he oh, was sitting in the couch and just been eating <laughs> the priorities yeah it was really funny um but yeah so I got induced um that night um and they put a balloon they inserted the balloon um and then that helped me dilate and then um I got the oxytocin injection at yeah. 6 a.m and then it was like full steam ahead. I pretty much had contractions straight away and they were a minute apart. Um, and then wow. I started pushing um, not long after that and I had her at midday. So very quick. It was so fast, which was amazing. But also I was like, I would think I was in shock. I just couldn't believe it because you watch yeah. movies and you hear other friends' stories and people's stories. And I was like, ready for this really long labor and then um yeah I think it was five hours altogether yeah that isn't long at all for a first time mum and whoa what a (laughs) whirlwind of events for you I mean it's so tricky when did you know that you already had high blood pressure like did they diagnose you with preeclampsia no so they actually didn't but I Um, I only had it a couple of times and they asked me to get a monitor and I was monitoring it at home. Um, So they never diagnosed me with preeclampsia, but then when I went to the hospital for that appointment, it was like 155, I think. So it was quite high. Um, So that's kind of what got the ball rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always tricky when we're like, all right, you've come in for a, a routine appointment and you're going to have your baby probably either tonight or tomorrow. I know, it's uh, crazy. <laughs> um, but thankfully, you got a hold of your partner. <laughs> and for me hearing that as a midwife, especially when you're talking about being induced with the oxytocin um, infusion, when the contractions start really quickly it's quite hard for the woman because you probably hadn't even got your mind around 
what was happening I didn't. and for them to go from zero to 100 pretty much straight away like yeah. it can be really really challenging do you feel like you've lost a bit of that control yeah definitely I, that's literally how I felt I think yeah I just expected it to be a lot longer um and I actually never had this big birth plan in my head but the only thing I did kind of plan was that I wanted like a heat pillow because that's something that always like relaxes me um and yeah I gave the heat pillow to the midwife and in the time that it took her to go and heat it up and come back I was literally ready to start pushing it was so intense um and I had a TENS machine as well I hired a TENS machine um and yeah it literally went from zero to 100 instantly and my partner was so confused because he'd taken a book and sandwiches and thought he was like <laughs> gonna be relaxing and I was like no we're we're on it's happening straight away yeah and even for him like it can be really challenging as well because yeah. I guess we hear which this is the thing when people are like how long will it take for me to get into labor and I'm like if I had a dollar for every time I got asked that I'd be a millionaire yeah because no we just don't know like everyone's birthing induction experience is so different yeah um and for the partners they especially for a first-time mum we're like it can take a bit of time yeah to get you in good labor but once you're in good labor then that's when things will happen yeah so he would have been sitting there doing whatever he was doing yeah. and then being like wait what yeah. is going on yeah and I think when it's in your first time for like him and I you have no idea what's um normal yeah what's normal and what's not so I was like yeah. is this it like am I going to be here for like 20 hours with this intensity or is or is it going to happen fast um and the midwife obviously she didn't want to tell me it was going to happen fast because she also didn't know obviously things can change so it was a, there was this moment where we were like oh my god like how long is this gonna be this intense for and it was a bit daunting then because I was yeah. like ready to push I, and I said that I was like I'm ready to push and um the midwife was like oh my god like this is you know okay let me go and get a doctor and the um obstetrician came back and I was seven centimeters dilated like as soon as I had the TENS machine on so it was just really intense yeah wow Wow. I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> and then you brought little Millie into the world yeah. and she's already what I can see very fast paced too. She is. Yes. She's out and about. <laughs> um, And then I guess where this episode focuses around is more of that postpartum period. So for you, you had that idea in your head that you were going to have this wonderful breastfeeding journey. And that's where you I guess, came into some challenges. Can you talk us through a bit of your postpartum journey? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, it kind of started that first night for me. Um, I had put Millie on the breast um, and I wasn't really shown, I guess, how to do it straight away, which was, you know, fine. It was pretty chaotic with COVID. There was um, two women having babies in like the waiting the like consult room so it was yeah you know really really intense I know this too well yeah so <laughs> you know the, like yeah it was no one's fault really it was just I had no idea what I was doing anyway so that was a bit daunting and um I couldn't tell obviously she was getting anything um and then 
I kind of let it go. I was trying by myself for quite a few hours and James had left. Um, and then I ended up asking um, a nurse to just come and assist me. And we realized, yeah, she wasn't getting anything. So she wasn't latching properly. Um, so they pretty much got me expressing straight away that, that night. So um, I used like the double pump and then they were also helping like syringe um from my nipples to get like the colostrum for her um and then that's kind of how it's continued for the last eight months so um I end up staying in an extra couple of days because they got a lactation specialist to come and see us um and she was amazing like I yeah couldn't I don't think I could have done it without her she was really incredible so she was helping me express um and it was quite intense. I was pretty much having to document every single feed. So she had me writing in my phone how long I would put Millie on both of my boobs, so the left and then the right, and then I would have to express the left and the right after that. Yeah. So it was just taking double the amount of time and it was, like, quite stressful. Um, yeah. And I continued on that for, like, four weeks um and she came out to my house as well so that was really good and we yeah basically the plan was that I would offer her both of my boobs and then I would express both and then top her up with a bottle um so I did that for just over three months I think it was yeah almost four months um and she had a tongue tie so when she was three weeks old we got the tongue tie cut Um, And it did help her latch a little bit, but um, I needed nipple shields the whole time as well. Um, And for people listening, a tongue tie, if you sort of lick, like put your tongue to the roof of your mouth, it's that little bit of skin underneath your tongue. And if a baby has a tongue tie, it can prevent them from bringing their tongue forward um, and I guess attaching to the breast. So we normally snip it if we think that it's going to affect the breastfeeding. Yeah. So, yeah, she got that cut. Um... It helped her a little bit, but yeah, I still required to wear nipple shields the whole time because they said my nipples were dainty, which is, I don't know, just the funniest thing to be told ever. I was like, oh, that's nice. Dainty nipples. (laughs) You know what? I have never heard anyone's nipples being described as dainty. (laughs) Me either. I was like, I hope they stay dainty, but they didn't. Um, So yeah, so because they were quite small, I guess, I had to use the nipple shields to help them like expand um, the nipple. And help her latch on. Yep, and help her latch. So yeah, there was yeah almost four months of me doing the nipple shields, offering her both the boobs, expressing, and then topping her up with a bottle. So it was pretty much a lot constant like yeah yeah, there would be maybe half an hour 45 minutes between that yeah I was just going to stop you there and say let's explain to people what that whole process process means um because you and I both understand it yeah but when I say I have to put a woman on an expressing plan in the hospital it takes quite a while for that to for them to understand what it actually is yeah um, because exactly what you were saying is if 
when we attach the baby to the breast, our main priority is obviously for them to breastfeed first. Like we always want to encourage them to breastfeed before we give them their top-ups. So it's about attaching them to the breast. But then we have to be mindful if they're not attaching how long we're doing this process for because without realising it, it eats into the next feed. Because in the hospital mainly, especially for a baby that is like struggling to attach, we say breastfeed every three hours. That's what you would have been hearing, every three hours. Um, So if you, for example, if you're starting a breastfeed at 9am, your next one's due at 12pm. So if you're fluffing around for half an hour on the breast and your baby still hasn't attached, you've just wasted half an hour ultimately. Yeah. And then to have to give your baby the express milk or the top up, so whatever milk volume we need them to have, and then that's all good and well, but then you need to get express milk ready for the next feed. Exactly. So you offer the breast, you you give the top up, but then you may put your baby down to have a rest, but there's no rest for you because – you have to then stimulate your breast to either A, increase your milk supply in the early period or B, try and get any milk out. Exactly. So it was quite a lot. It was so exhausting. And I guess trying to explain that to people as well, like obviously everyone wanted to come and meet Millie and I wanted people to um, meet her and her to meet them. Um, But I was literally like I had to tell people they could come and see her for half an hour, which – you know, I know probably didn't go down well with a lot of people because people don't understand, but I was literally like, that's actually my rest. Like that half an hour is the only time that I'm not either breastfeeding her or attached to the pump. And so in that time, I was like, I also have to try and eat and shower and and sleep and sleep which was like care for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Care for yourself. And that's what I think I said that you and I both understand it completely, but for those listening, um, especially those that have more of a straight forward breastfeeding journey and have never had to really express other than just doing it to go out or something like that, they, it's a lot of work. And especially in those early postpartum period days, because you hadn't learned how to express antenatally so learning how to do that either by your hand was already quite challenging yeah and I can't tell you how many times in the hospital women are like to me they get so upset because they're like you I've been doing this for half an hour and I've got point whatever and you've done it in five minutes and got triple what I've got and it's like I know, but this is my job and you have to learn and I have to teach you. But it's so tricky and it takes a lot of time and practice and energy. It does, definitely. I was actually amazed by my fiancé because he was really good at it. He just got the handwork. I honestly felt like he was milking me, but I couldn't have done those first few weeks without him because he was so fast, like the midwives and nurses. So he ended up... Um, like helping me syringe it into a needle I just couldn't get the like hand movement of like sucking it up the syringe Um, and sometimes it's that's the hardest part is you can do the expressing and the massage part but actually being able to be dexterous and do the syringe part is super tricky as well and you're waiting for your milk to come in you know your milk doesn't when did your milk come in so mine came in at day five so I was um I was like 
power pumping. I think that's what she, the lactation specialist called it. So I was actually the first four days, I'm sorry, the first four days I was um, expressing every 15 minutes um for like an hour here and there so for yeah one hour every 15 minutes I would hop on power pump and then have a break and then the second hour after that I would do it again to try and increase my milk supply so that in itself was like crazy I've never felt anxiety like I did like in the hospital and leaving the hospital because I was so worried about upsetting other people and explaining like that that's what I have to do for the next few yeah. days and weeks. Um, that but you also, you know, having your breasts out all the time, yeah, as well in front of people. And I think this goes out to all the visitors listening that sometimes, of course, people want you to come and visit their baby, but give them a few days or a few weeks to settle in, yeah, or just you know, FaceTime or do something simple like that because for you it was a lot to take on and uh, I can't believe how much you had to do. Like it is a lot of work and I have a full appreciation of how much you've done for that little chicken on the screen now. (laughs) Exactly. And like, look, I think everyone around me, like my support system were really amazing. Everyone did understand when I explained it to them Um, because I guess for me it was it was different than what I pictured, obviously, you know, like I felt like I would be completely comfortable breastfeeding in front of people. Like I didn't think I would have an issue with that, but then it's very different, I guess, holding your baby and having them kind of cover your boobs than having both of your boobs out and a machine like pumping you. It's like very um, intrusive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for the, um, the reason why Sinead had to pump so frequently is because I've mentioned on the pod a few times is with the supply and demand, the more you stimulate the breast, the more messages that get sent to your brain to say, I need to produce this much milk every so often. So that's why even though she bubs wasn't attaching, we have to put the pump on so that our brain still gets those messages. <laughs> um, <laughs> Millie has joined us on the camera and she's not ca- Not camera shy at all. Um, Can you talk us through, I guess, some of the feelings that you experienced? I know you said you felt quite anxious, but there is so much pressure on a lot of women to breastfeed. And I think we're still breaking down that stigma today. How, what were your emotions surrounding that when, you know, no matter what you were doing, Millie just wasn't attaching to the breast? Um, well, it was definitely like the hardest thing I think I've ever done. I had a lot of like sudden intense emotions of like agitation, frustration, anxiety. Um, I was experienced some, experiencing some like physical symptoms as well. So I felt like nauseous at times when my letdown would come. So when that, yeah, for other people that don't know when the milk would start, um, coming out so um yeah I think I felt a bit sad like I you know wasn't on the journey that I expected and hoped to be on either um and also kind of felt sad not having I was obviously still putting Millie on the breast but not feeling like I was achieving it so yeah a lot of like I wouldn't say failure but just yeah just felt really sad about it yeah and I think often 
I guess a lot of women experience that feeling of guilt and frustration when their baby doesn't attach. And, you know, for a lot of people, for me, a lot of women experience that in the first few days and then it may gradually get better. Uh, But for you, that wasn't the case. Was there ever a point in time where you were like, nah, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. Definitely. I I had one moment in particular where I put Millie down next to James and I just walked away and I cried. I was so upset and I was like, I can't do this. And then he just said, you know, you, you like, you'll know when you've had enough and when you really can't do it. Um, and I tried again and I kept persisting. That's when I was still offering her both boobs and expressing. Um, and then I basically just said to myself, like, let's just take each day as it comes. Like, I'll know when I've had enough and I'll know when I really can't do it anymore. Um, and then, yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't know how I did, but I just kept going. I think, honestly, having COVID and, you know, like the lockdowns helped because, obviously didn't have to leave the house as much. I just caught up with, you know, my close girlfriends um, who all knew what I was going through and were really understanding and stuff. Um, And then, yeah, I can't really remember exactly when it was, but I know it was around the three, four months stage where I couldn't keep offering her both boobs and expressing. Um, And it was only because she kind of told me, which I was hoping would happen, um, but she just started crying at the boob every time I would get it out. Um, and I was like, she's frustrated too, you know, like we're both working double as much. Yeah. It's not just me, you know, she's having to do the hard work as well. Cause she's having to try and then wait for me to express and then having the bottle. So I actually ended up getting a bottle ahead of myself yeah. so that while I, you know, as soon as I offered her the boob, when she was finished, I would give her the top up while I expressed. So she didn't have to wait for it. Um, and then, yeah, I got to about the four month stage, stopped offering her the boob and then just expressed to every feed and offered her the bottle. Yeah. And, and now, yeah, I still do that. So, and she's almost eight months and I don't know how I've made it. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Such an amazing job. And I think you mentioned to me, that was your decision that you, like, that's what you really wanted to do. And it's a credit to yourself because a lot of people probably would have given up. Um, and totally agree with COVID. You obviously didn't have the added pressure of having to go out and yeah. commit to social events and um, not feel guilty for missing events and things like that. But often when babies don't attach, women don't see that coming. And so yeah. when it happens, if you have a baby that's not attaching, whether that's in the first um, period when they're born or a few months later, they're so hard on themselves and it often reflects on them, not on their baby. And sometimes the baby just doesn't want to attach and it has nothing, it has nothing to do with you. And you probably know that now that it actually has nothing to do with you. She's just one of those babies that doesn't want to attach to the breast and there's no need for you to be hard on yourself. Um, What was a mindset that I guess you had to adapt to get through it? Um, was there anything, any strategies that you put in place to help yourself? Yeah, um, I guess I'm, for me, like I like being organized and I think being organized makes me feel like okay mentally. Um, so I just had a bit of a routine with as soon as I'd express, I'd wash it up, I'd sterilize it, have it ready for the next yeah. feed. 
Um, I bought like a one liter um, water bottle. So I always had that next to me when I was expressing. I always had bananas on hand, like just little things that made me, I'd kind of had made it into like a routine. Like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing a few times a day. Um, And yeah, um, things I guess helped me cope with it was probably like listening to music, podcasts, um, a distraction. I felt like the first couple of months, especially I needed the distraction while I expressed because that's when I was experiencing those really intense emotions. Whereas now it's just a part of my routine. Like it's what we do. I don't experience those emotions anymore. Um, And yeah, mainly just like music, podcasts, candles. Like I've got my diffuser going in the background. Any of those sort of things to just kind of keep the mood relaxed as well. That was my main thing for Millie. I just wanted to create a really relaxed environment and I have, I still have, you know, in my head the minute that I start to really feel those emotions of like agitation and stuff again, I, I will stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the moment I'm kind of, it's just a part of my routine and she loves the booby milk. So yeah. <laughs> it's just what I, it's just what I'm doing. Yeah. So she does actually have one formula a day. So I've introduced that when she was five and a half months, I think. Yeah. Um, so she has that as at her night feed and then that night feed gives me a break. So I don't express it that, that time anymore. And that's when I like, you know, cook dinner and have dinner and stuff like that. And she'll have the formula for that feed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely taken the pressure off a little bit. Great. Well, I'm so glad that you've done that to just help yourself and take a little bit of the pressure off. But moving out of COVID lockdowns that I guess in Melbourne we're opened up and getting back into somewhat of a normal, what our normal routine was, once was. <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you found expressing out in public? Um, look, pretty well, actually. I... I think, you know, the main, my main friends and family that have seen me express, um, you know, it's, we've kind of, we kind of just laugh about it almost. Like it's just, it's just something that it's what I, you know, it's what I do now. Like last weekend, um, I spent time with my family and we were at the cricket. Um, and yeah, I just hooked, hooked myself up and just sat there at the cricket. Like it, I think it helps being laid back. Like I am quite a laid back person and try not to care too much what other people think so um it's something that I do do in public um I try to avoid doing it you know like at a restaurant or a cafe or something like that if I can um but yeah I still I pack it up and take it with me where I'm going um I've done it in the car a few times (laughs) so I just do it wherever I have to um and then yeah yesterday my first day back at work and I did it in the office so that was a Again, a bit weird, but I mean, that's what, you know, people breastfeeding would have to do if they needed to express as well. So, yeah, and we want to normalise um, all of that because that's absolutely. what working mums need to do. Yeah, totally. I think there was a moment yesterday where I was like, you know, where should, should I go sit in my car? Like, what should I do? And then I was like, I mean, there was only one other woman around anyway, but I was like, no, I think like this, this is something that the world needs to see. Like it's normal. It's what we have to do. I'm not going to sit in like a dark room or lock myself in the car every time I have to express. It's just, it is what it is. Exactly. (laughs) It is. We need to normalize all the breastfeeding and expressing 
hundred percent. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, well, you're doing so well and you should be so proud of yourself. And even you were reflecting before, before we press record saying, I just forgot how much I went through and a lot of women do that. So you, yeah, yeah, my hat goes off to you because it's a lot of work and you've just done the best thing for yourself and the best thing for little Millie. Now you mentioned for anyone who might be experiencing a similar journey, you mentioned Mm -hmm. some podcasts that you would listen to um, or I guess you've probably been using a certain pump. What worked best for you like for support wise? You had a lactation Um, consultant. I did, yeah. I saw a lactation consultant through Dandenong Hospital. Um, she was amazing. The um, Australian Breastfeeding Association also do free drop-ins. Um, so I dropped into um, their little community house in Dandenong and spent some time there and that was really good as well. And then I saw um, – Anita at Bluff Road Medical in Sandringham. She's a lactation specialist and she actually did Millie's um, tongue tie. So she snipped that. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, advice for anyone is just really use the support yeah. around you. That was one thing that I just made sure I did. You know, I always had my green book that will, you know, that you get given at the hospital when you have the baby. I always had that on hand and just called the numbers or dropped into the places when I needed that extra support, Um, which, you know, I, I think people can be really bad at using support when it's offered to us, like professional support. And I can be bad like that as well. But I think that was one of the things that I just wanted to make sure I did was just utilize the professional support that was there. Um, And I was trying to think that a couple of the, um, like audio books I listened to were um, Brene Brown ones. So, um, yeah, and um, Dan Siegel. So stuff about like the brain and parenting, which look for most people is probably not a relaxing, but <laughs> uh, I really like psychology. So, yeah, that's what I was listening to to help me, I guess, keep my keep my mind occupied at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, seeking support is number one. Um, a lot of people don't want to seek support but how amazing that here in Melbourne we have all those drop-in services that are free and I think yeah um, a lot of us probably don't know that it exists so if you are listening you can always look up your local council and they do offer additional drop-in services for free um well your journey has been quite a challenge and you should be so proud of yourself and that we're going to sum up this episode with Mon's Fast Five. Um, So (laughs) I guess looking back on your experience, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself now that you are a mum? Probably to just be really patient and kind with yourself um, and just really make sure that you have things that you do for self-care so you know whether it's yoga or meditation or you know catching up with friends whatever it is um mine was like all of those things catching up with friends and just relaxing when I could and when someone offered you know offered to look after Millie or give me some time away um so just yeah utilize your supports and um 
take breaks when you need to because we you know we do need to we're not meant to do do it all on our own so yeah just say yes when people offer to help you I think yeah a hundred percent couldn't summarize it better Um, number two something you wish you weren't so hard on yourself for um probably yeah just feeling like I couldn't breastfeed I guess yeah feeling like I I think I knew it wasn't my fault obviously but just feeling like I was doing something wrong or you know could I have done it better um yeah so just yeah not blaming yourself (laughs) not blaming yourself yeah one thing that you wish you knew more about um how hard breastfeeding is Mm -hmm. I didn't I I've never actually heard of someone else going on this journey so it was the first time that I've heard of it while I experienced it um so yeah I um I think probably just knowing what the alternative is when breastfeeding doesn't work because I think in my head it was just like if breastfeeding doesn't work um they have formula that's kind of that was my knowledge on it so I guess understanding that there's other alternatives and other options available to yeah available yeah and I was going to ask you earlier do you think looking back on it you wish that you did some more research about I guess those early days of how to try and attach a baby to a breast because you said you got stuck for a bit going I have no idea what I'm doing yeah definitely (laughs) like I swear probably everyone says this but like read the baby books but no like yeah we have so much um like knowledge at our hands and it's just about using that um you know I had the what to expect in the pregnancy app so I was reading week by week all of the changes and the development that she was going through inside me but I wasn't looking at the postpartum journey at all I was just like oh it just it you have the baby and then life happens yeah I kind of I didn't look into that part of it and I wish I did and that's where Mitty was born (laughs) yeah I love that um pretty much for that exact reason because we prepare so much for the pregnancy and birth and then postpartum we're like see you later uh, all the best yeah. and that's where the yeah. challenges arrive because you don't have someone holding your hand the whole time exactly and I think that's I probably should have mentioned that before but I think that's where you know postnatal anxiety and depression and stuff come in is because like that's when you feel the most lonely is postpartum you know when you're pregnant everyone's like you're so beautiful look at the bump and they're holding doors open for you and everyone's really really like lovely and then you have the baby and you're alone like so much you know especially obviously midnight to 6 a.m you're just by yourself a lot and that's when that's when it's hard I think yeah yeah one thing you wish someone told you before becoming a mum I think just enjoy the small moments like it's I know it's a bit of a quote but like those small moments are the big moments you know like I know we're tired and things are exhausting and stuff but you know like Millie's first cheeky smile at 5am even if I'm sleep deprived like is the best thing in the world so just enjoying those really small moments that might seem insignificant but they're you know they're the moments that you really cherish yeah so just yeah just be present as much as you can and try and have fun and 
um, you know, try not to be too, I guess, like routine and rigid if you can. But that that was my way of, I guess, starting parenthood is I just try try to be as present as I can with her and just have fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's really shining through with her because that's what she's like. She's just so fun and bubbly and, yeah, try not to take life too seriously. Yeah, yeah. And to finish off mum, mums, mums, <laughs> mums fast five, um, what is your favourite motherhood hack? I was so excited for this. <laughs> I literally, it's like the best hack ever. So um, I think my fiancé thinks he invented it. Um, but I wear maternity singlet from, you know, Bonds or Kmart or whatever. Um, and he cut holes. Like if anyone's seen Mean Girls, Regina George, how she's got like a hole around the nipple. So he literally cut a hole in my maternity top so that I could express, um, hands free. Yeah. So literally I cook it up hangs out and I can you know I've got my hands and I can do things that's like the best hack ever yeah but I have also seen um women just pull like the strap to one side of their boob hook it up and then the strap like attaches yeah so it holds it in so yeah if you're expressing hands-free expressing is like a life changer yeah definitely having two (laughs) hands available for sure yeah so if anyone like needs a visual, just like private message me or Mon and I can show you how. I'll make a video. How, that's a good idea. We should add, make that a reel for the Instagram. Yeah, we should. There you go. I can do that. Perfect. Um, certainly. And so cheap and easy to do that yourself. Um, there certainly is like professional brands for that um but we figured that out after once he thought he invented it (laughs) but you know five dollar top from Kmart why not exactly cut a hole in it hands free yeah well thank you so much for joining us today um I think there's going to be a lot of people that really benefit and feel not so alone after listening to your journey even those women who might be going through that a few days after they've just given birth and for those that are a few months down postpartum so like you said you didn't know that you might have encountered a challenge like this and there is probably a lot of other women out there that would be thinking the same so thank you for sharing your story and making them feel not as alone and for being so courageous to share Oh, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's actually like fun when you get to kind of talk about it. It's not something that you talk about every day. So it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember... You're doing the best you can. Love.